1: Good morning. Happy Sunday. Morning.
2: Happy Sunday, everyone.
1: Welcome to the Two mats regular Q&A episode brought to you by the New European Newspaper. First question from Amanda in West Sussex.
2: Following your discussion about Rishi Sunak fasting as a lifestyle choice, I wanted to bring your attention to a statistic I read in The Guardian. Last year, 800,000 people were admitted to hospital with malnutrition. Eight hundred thousand. It makes me wonder how many are lacking basic nutrients in their diets, but who maybe aren't quite ill enough to go to a doctor. Very good point. I guess a lot of the implications are obvious to many of us, but not to
1: our fabulously wealthy Prime Minister. Great question. Thank you, Amanda, from West Sussex. More of an observation than a question, isn't it? But I mean, certainly one that elicits a response, which is that, isn't that just utterly shameful? It is. In this country, in 2024, you know, or or these figures from last year, but I don't suppose it's getting any better anytime soon. I
2: mean, I find... I find them, uh, you know, I would say nauseating, but it seems somehow wrong in the context. But I do. And I don't I actually don't understand because this is still by depending on what measurement you use, the sixth or seventh richest country in the world. And however straightened the fiscal circumstances are, however big the debt is, there is clearly enough money to do certain things. And. One of the things that we should be ensuring, surely, as a basic civilized nation, mm. uh, is that people are not suffering from malnutrition. Mm. I mean, that word
1: that's overused does apply here Dickensian. Absolutely outrageous. Let's, I mean, Okay, we're in a, clearly we're in a terrible position where you've got people queuing up at food banks. You've yes. got the stat I read the other day, one in four mothers, new mothers, skipping meals because skipping they can't meals. afford. Yes. You, you brought that up, 28%, I think it was, of new mothers skipping meals, skipping meals. because they can't afford to, to, to feed eat. themselves properly. What is, so let's assume Keir Starmer comes into power. What should he be doing to address well, this?
2: Well, I, I mean, my, my view is that we have reached the end of the road of uh, what, for want of a better word, people call the neoliberal arrangement. Where what you had was a, a sort of global capitalist system, where, as it were, people were compensated. The losers were compensated. I, uh, don't use the word "losers," but you know what I mean. Yeah, that yeah. you 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 adjusted the the sort of subsidies and fiscal arrangements to people who for through brute luck or ill health or whatever fell through the the shards and you you, you fell through the slats and you 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 helped out and yeah. and you know this is called the welfare system or the benefit system i think that is broken now and i think that we're in a world now where people who do th- three job and because one of the spin-offs of the global globalization was that wages fell and so whereas in the 80s you know which we talk about a lot unemployment was the the big problem unemployment is not the big problem now it's pay and you know there are some of those mothers you're talking about will be doing will be turning two jobs and worrying about childcare all the time and i think that we have to i'm not a big fan of the universal basic income the idea that the state should pay everyone a flat rate of 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 money but i think we have to start looking beyond just the sort of universal credit model where some people get more, a bit of money some people get a you know more money mm. there, there is a deeper crisis here that people are not getting m- both minimal standards of living yeah not we're not talking about you know having a, two holidays and a no. car yeah, but yeah, you know quite. being having enough to eat and then beyond that they're not getting a fair shake and i keep using those words because i think that that is something that has certainly during my adult life declined Spectacularly, yeah, which is the and I look at the next generation with concern because you know the, the idea that if you do if you work hard and you put in a graft and not you know not that you move to London and become a banker but you know just do a job, yeah, you will be okay, yeah, you know that is gone. That's,
1: that's not the case at now. All, this is, now,
2: is this is not just alarming, it is terrifying, yeah, because a society depends on a, a, a degree of social cohesion. That I think is now almost bust.
1: Yeah, and one of the areas that concerns me—I mean, as of course it concerns me because I'm a human being—is the idea that there are kids going without proper, unbearable. And one of the things that uh, Islington Council did, which is where I live, is they reintroduced free school meals for primary school kids. and I just thought absolutely right, you know, yeah, you know, and breakfast clubs, and breakfast clubs. I mean, when I was a kid, you, you got a bottle of milk every yeah, pay yeah you know, yeah, yeah. and then Margaret Thatcher took it away. Milk snatcher. Thatcher the milk snatcher. But that idea that, you know, w- we face common problems and it, it shouldn't matter when you're a kid, whether your parents are earning £100,000 or £30,000, that you can eat properly. You know, it shouldn't matter because it... The effect it has on you as a family, but as an individual growing up, is enormous and, light and lasts your whole life. You yes. Know? So I think any program where it's, it, it does an equality of nutrition for for children—that's just a basic. Yeah, come on.
2: That you know? and and then I think you have to move on to uh, and you know I, if you told me when I was twenty one or twenty three that I'd be arguing for a wages policy, you know. Yeah. But. You know, when you get to the point where people are turning two jobs for your jobs and can't, yeah, d- don't have enough to put a roof over the head and food on the table, yeah, then you do have to ask: the consequences of globalization have been st- have vandalized. Society. It's not just a question of, you know, they've created a a group that need to be helped. Yeah. No. You know, we're now in a situation where it doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's true. And these are not easy questions. And one of the reasons they're not easy questions is because no one's bloody well willing to ask them. Yeah. Because the the political paradigm we're in was actually formed in the 1980s. Yeah. And at some point, and we've said this before on the podcast... Will someone please start the 21st century? Please also.
1: (laughs) There's another aspect to it, which might get me in hot water with some people, but I think there's an education aspect to it, specifically about food. I think we eat so much shit in this country. Absolutely. I mean, you go into any supermarkets, any large supermarkets, and there might be 20 aisles of stuff, right, three of which will be nutritionally positive. You know, the rest of it is shit. I mean, you know?
2: every child in this country should be taught about nutrition. Yeah, in the same way that they should be taught about how, what kind of information to digest. Yeah, is, exactly. You know, yeah. it, should, schools can't do everything, but they should be. They should be very, very mindful. And I'm not. This is not knocking teachers at all. This is a systemic thing, of the fact that schools have to be. Preparing people for citizenship, yeah, yeah, and not, to
1: look after themselves. You uh, know. By which I mean, by which I mean, you know, being yeah, a yeah,
2: yeah. you know a, a, a contented citizen. That's right, you that's know, right. not just someone who's accruing exam
1: results. Yeah, to better yourself, to be well educated, to be, to so, be happy, you know, to, be, you know, to be socially yeah. responsible as well as um, yeah. clever. And you and know. see improvements in everything: productivity, mental health, physical health, all of those yeah, things. Yeah, you absolutely.
2: Know. And you know, we, we we look at the mental health crisis that that is you know is gripping the young. And people claim to be baffled. I'm not baffled by it no, at all.
1: I'm not surprised one bit.
2: I mean, when you combine the impact of the digital revolution and the withdrawal of life prospects, yeah, I'm amazed that they're as flinty as they are.
1: Yeah, good for them. And I also, just to before we move on to the next question, I remember because we're very interested in European uh, things on in the new European, obviously, and reading a piece about the different level of proportionate spend on food from country to country like spain if you're a family in spain you spend something like 20 to 25 percent of your disposable income on food right and totally different kinds of food fresh produce much more market kind of uh, environment we spend next to nothing you know like nine ten percent of disposable income because we buy all this cheap shit rubbish processed food that- and, and you think about you know, absolute processed garbage dri- with prices driven down to the bare minimum by these supply chains that the supermarkets have yeah. insisted on farmers going out of business because they're selling milk for less than it costs them to produce all of this kind of stuff you know, i do think if you could recalibrate how you lived and you looked at your your, your immediate needs and the want you know the primary need being food and housing and warmth to be able to deliver that to yourself as an individual that would be a huge step forward for this i'll tell you what it?
2: Starmer should do is he should um commission a new beverage report
1: right right
2: the five yeah yeah ills you yeah, know
1: yeah that would be
2: and the would ills be, wouldn't be the same now
1: but maybe they we would. should
2: do that in the new european i mean it's a great the Nick Timmins book on that is yeah. absolutely fantastic. It's a great subject, and I don't hear any of that coming no, no, no. from the Labour okay. side of the house.
1: Well, we'll pick that up in yeah, the New Let's European. pick it up. Food for thought. Food okay. For thought next daughters. question, please. Great
2: Trump uh-huh. advert. <laughs> you read this one out, Matt. This is
1: so. This is from Charles BK One on Spotify. And by the way, if you want to send in feedback or questions, and you're listening on Spotify, you can do that very easily just by tapping into the little dialogue box on Spotify. Great Trump advert. Great Trump advert. You're not losers. I didn't skip for once. Can you do different... And he's talking about the subscription advert that we yes. did in the podcast last week. Can you do different impressions every few weeks? Okay. Can you... Do, can you, have, Oh,
2: is, I, I, I don't know, Sonny. You're, you're talking to Morgan Freeman now. And at, the, at the time, I was far from certain that the new European was right for us at Shawshank. Wow. What to make of that youngster, Alistair Campbell. But feeling... Just for the duration of a podcast, like we were free
1: men. Get busy reading, or get busy dying. Well, I can certainly agree with that, Matt. Ah, Mister Connery. I would, I would say that the New European has been a transformative experience. Transformative, of course, you are. In my, in my reading habits, <laughs> and I like to uh, read the New European with, uh, obviously, from the grave these days. From the grave, <laughs> but with a Suntory whiskey. <laughs>
2: It's interesting. i mean, I'll tell you what the uh, God knows what we've started here
1: because something of not
2: very terrible high it's bringing out the <laughs> terrible impressions uh, and i i'm I'm not sure it's going to do my profitable future any good uh, but but here's the thing is that uh, since last week a lot of people have said, Oh, do Trump, do trump, yeah. so <clears throat> this is not again you know it's like where where did the- <laughs> How is it in 2024, age 56? I find myself worrying about Trump all the time. What a loser. What a loser. Matt Dancona used to be a columnist to the Sunday Telegraph. Now he works for the European. How does that work? Very
1: sad. Very sad. (laughs) What a loser. What a loser. Very sad. Right. Next question. Thank you for that, Chelsea. BK1 from Spotify. Ah, good question. This is a great question, this. And I'm going to throw it to you. Right, George Uh, Hogan, why is the USA supporting Israel?
2: It's a good question. And um, it's interesting how rarely it's asked because it's it's key to the whole thing and particularly what's been going on this week. So the proximate answer is that Biden may well be the most pro-Israel president there's ever been. One of his first trips as a senator was to the the uh, to Israel in seven, uh, just before the Yom Kippur War actually and he met Golda Meir and he has been steadfast as a friend of Israel ever since you know he's always been at the centre of foreign policy so there's that personal thing it was ve- it was predictable that after October seventh Biden would be straight out of the trap saying up with this I will not put so that's Biden but there's a much longer longer tradition of American having america having a strong bond with israel not it has to be said not always even little realized fact probably the the least pro israel president was reagan who was very skeptical about a lot of things that were going on and you know took took time to chastise israel a lot more than you might think right um why is it so important to america well i mean then you're going back to i mean first of all the foundation obviously america a democracy was always going to support uh, a democracy formed after the war and the holocaust in the middle east that was always true but then you get into realpolitik and in the cold war israel was you know a kind of um, way station for american strategy in the region that as, as time passed, became more and more important for oil as well as the, the the fight with the Soviet Union. So that, you know, even post the end of the Soviet Union, the end of the Cold War, that has survived. Um, and you've seen Antony Blinken, the US Secretary of State, engage in, you know, relentless, sleepless shuttle diplomacy between the representatives of Hamas and the Israeli government, and he is bitterly disappointed that Netanyahu, the Irish Israeli Prime Minister, turned down the peace
1: yeah. uh, proposal. That, that did so um, very bluntly, didn't he?
2: I just absolutely. I, yeah. I was actually quite surprised by how. Yes. Uh, Absolutely, he turned it down.
1: It, 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 do you know, what I mean, the weird thing is, because he's not in a strong position, but it felt like a guy who held all the cards, and he doesn't hold all the cards. But.
2: No, I mean, I think one of the reasons he turned it down, uh, you know, one can get into the whole thing about what's the future of Hamas in such, under such an arrangement. But I mean, the, the, the key thing to think about Netanyahu is that the minute there's anything like a sort of ending or even pause of any duration in this netanyahu's toast yeah so but just to finish off i I think that it's interesting because this generation of of american politicians are about all about 150 (laughs) um do support israel but look at what's happening on american campuses you know the, the 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 support for the palestinian cause is rock solid and these, you know, in the Ivy League schools, these are the leaders of tomorrow. You know, you can't just dismiss them as woke idiots, as, as yeah, a lot of people do. They, kids who don't count or you know, whatever, and they, yeah. You know, they've grown... And, and this yeah. is, I think, very important to understanding what's going on, is that they haven't seen Israeli statesmen like Rabin and Perez and Barak. They've grown up with Netanyahu. Yeah. They've grown up with Israeli Trump yeah. as, as the the face of Israel. Yeah. So they have very little... Yeah, kind of sense of of, of kinship and sympathy. Interesting. And so I I don't know, but I yeah. if we were having this conversation thirty years from now, maybe fewer years, I wonder whether America will be quite as the. Bo- it's so taken for granted, isn't it? Yeah.
1: No, no, no. You're so right. There's, there's a bond. That's why. Thank you, George Hogan. Again, it's why it's such a brilliant question. As but it, it's the not, Best questions are the most cutting. Why do they support them?
2: None of these relationships are written in stone. No. And if you look at the way that american foreign policy is going which is undoubtedly towards a sort of america first isolationism that's bad news for ukraine but it's probably also strategically bad news for israel because israel supporting israel takes up a lot of bandwidth but can you imagine an
1: israel without american support well i mean yes tenuous, I, yes you know?
2: yes i can and uh, i think that it would be worse for it oddly enough because i think that they would still there is no doubt that at various points in since the foundation of israel the the staying hand of the us on israel has stopped things from being worse than they could have and you know clinton was awesome in his attempt to bring peace to the region which sadly didn't work out but i i just don't you know this is this is causing biden all sorts of electoral problems in a year that he could do without yeah. it and i just wonder whether subsequent presidents and you know the, the people who run against them will want to be spending
1: as marginalize much... it a bit
2: yeah i mean i think the direction of travel not just with israel but in america generally is away from the post-war role of being the global policeman
1: yeah all right well thank you again george great question next question please
2: I was surprised you wasted so much time on your latest pod slagging off Lawrence Fox. He is very obviously suffering from cannabis psychosis. Would it not be better to be sympathetic to his evident mental health problem rather than poking fun at him? From Martin. Well, I
1: mean, I, I mean, I don't know if he's, I don't know whether Lawrence does. Lawrence Fox is he public about smoking weed? I think I
2: don't he's know. talked about CBD, but Has I, he, I'm,
1: I'm I don't not, know whether he's suffering from a cannabis psychosis. Certainly or wouldn't not. diagnose it. I mean, well, what I do know is that he is present on our airwaves and present in our social media and is garnering support which i find troubling and offensive and that that's got to be dealt with whatever he's suffering from
2: and i think that you know there's a there's a lesson from the world of addiction if indeed he is suffering from addiction i hope he isn't that it can be an explanation but it's never an excuse right and and so i don't think that with respect to martin it's a good, good question to raise yeah um that you know, if indeed he is suffering with this, and I I haven't heard of that yeah. before. But let, as a thought experiment, say he is. That doesn't acquit him from, you know, reasonable judgment upon his public utterances. Yeah. And and actually, as we, you know, the re- the thing we really wanted to get into in 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 that section last week was about who's
1: funding him. That's right. In fact, we were at pains M- more not, so, about sorry, him. It's not really about Lawrence Fox.
2: Yeah, exactly.
1: It was about the sort of dark money around him. I mean, Martin, thank you for your question. And certainly, I hope this demonstrates we are... Certainly no, sensitive to... We are not know. fearful of, of critique. So anybody else... Not at all. No, 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 way no, no. in? absolutely. But you're right about... You do... Trigger a little bit of concern about how casually we do talk about people having you know i've done it so we said oh you know he's obviously having a chronic breakdown and stuff like this and maybe he is having a chronic breakdown should, it's you know, it's extremely to hard to, to know um
2: but, i mean you know one of the things that's been good about the greater transparency around mental health in the last couple of decades has been that you know the the, the prevalence of mental health issues has become uh, much clearer. I think, yeah. you know, the idea that it was a tiny proportion of the population that, that suffered is not true at all. No. And it's good that people and, you know, prominent people in public life have come forward and said, actually, yeah. you know, I have suffered. I know it's great. Yeah, but We only say it as we see it. And, and yeah. we weren't aware if indeed this is the case, that that
1: was the case. So, yeah, you know. Well, okay. Thank you, Martin. Let's move on to the next question. Larry from Coventry <laughs> asks, I'm this is fascinating. Is
2: this the content—the content of the question—is more interesting than the answer. Actually,
1: I'm too cowardly to confront Scouse Terrace legend Matt Killer Kelly directly. He obviously, knows you. I'll ask Matt, the diplomat Dancona, he to doesn't adjudicate. Know me. Is it Sieg or Segway? Well, first of all, <laughs> I'm charmed
2: to be called a diplomat. Yeah, uh, but I'm not sure Killer I am. Killer
1: Kelly, where did, has he been googling me? I think he must have been.
2: Yeah, or talking to. People who know you or work for you, yeah.
1: <laughs> so, a bit
2: of Swift research reveals that it is Segway, is it? I always yes. say seek? yeah. Okay. I mean, I, I'm I'm I don't know about you, I'm I'm not a pronunciation Nazi, I, I think, no. but I mean, you know, Google pronunciation is is and it says very
1: firmly that it's Segway, and I yeah. think
2: this is because it comes from Italian Segway. So. I was
1: once on the um, when Simon Mayo did a, a, a show on Radio Five Live, it was like a two hour afternoon show. And I was on there as a guest, and used to love doing it. And and he was—you could talk, you know. And I would—I would talk about all sorts of things. And we came onto a conversation. I can't even remember what it was about, but I used the word uh, triumvirate. Except I said triumvirate, right? And 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 Simon Mayo said. <laughs> Did, sorry, let's just pause there. What did you say? Triumvirate. What, what's that? It's perfectly right.
2: clear what you mean, you see. And so I, mean, I
1: said, I shot back. I said, how do you know how the bloody Romans pronounced things?
2: Yeah, what have the Romans yeah, ever yeah, done for your pronunciation, exactly right. Mayo? Anyway. So no, I, I, I'm I'm a I'm a very relaxed. <laughs> I'm libertarian on pronunciation because I think it yeah. gets... People It's people can get... I mean, it's a perfectly quite good question from Larry about uh, Segway, but people can get terribly snooty about pronunciation
1: as if it... Well, um, you'll notice that you haven't heard much of Simon Mayo ever since he took the piss out of me, which may be where I got my killer Kelly oh, I different.
2: gather <laughs> I gather that he's
1: in a bad way. He's not he's not he's he's sucking soup through a straw, let's he, put it like that. This is slightly uh, against
2: what we just said about Lawrence <laughs> Fox, but I gather Simon Mayo's living on the embankment with a dog on a string. He is, mate,
1: he is and a harmonica. He is. It's the last time he'll take the piss out of my pronunciation. That's yeah. all that I'll say. That's the killer for you. Thanks, Larry. No need to be fearful. No, I'm we're not all, sure. We're all cheerful here. How sure are you? And that's it. Larry, you had the honour of being the last questionnaire. Yeah. Thank you as ever you, to John. our production team at Rethink Audio, led this week by Ollie Peart. Thank you. Don't forget your subscription offer and your free Bollocks to Brexit passport cover.